0: Welcome to the Rail Market Update on the State of Freight Podcast, brought to you by FTR, where we share timely transportation intelligence with you on a weekly basis. The Rail Market Update is hosted by FTR's Vice President of Rail and Intermodal, Todd Tranowski. As Todd presents the information in the podcast, you can follow along and review the graphs and indicators by downloading a PDF or PowerPoint version of the presentation from our podcast landing page. A link to the PDF is available now at www.ftrintel.com podcast. From there, you can also find past episodes and downloads of the Rail Market Update, as well as the weekly Trucking Market Update with Avery Weiss and much more. That link again is www.ftrintel.com podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the FTR State of Freight Rail Market Update Podcast. I am your host, Todd Tranowski, as always, the Vice President of Round Intermodal here at FTR. Happy to be, be with you as we enter the, the dog days of August, the middle of August. Hard to believe this is where we are in 2020, uh, but that is where we are. And as we, as we get here, I want to take a moment to remind everybody about FTR Engage. As everybody probably understands, we cannot gather next month as a group in Indianapolis for our traditional transportation conference. But we are going to do FTR Engage. We still want to give you that content, that up-close-and-personal deep dive under the hood into the forecast about what's happening in all the various markets that we talk about, all the different transportation sectors. It starts uh, on August 13th, or started on August 13th, depending on when you're listening to this, with an economic outlook with our economist Bill Witty. Uh, our Chairman and Chief Executive Eric Starks, and our Chief Strategy Officer Clay Slaughter to talk about the economic environment. As we go through the next several months to the end of the year, we will have ones on the trucking market. We will have ones on the rail and intermodal market. We will have them on the rail equipment market, the truck and trailer equipment outlook. We will also have one at the end of the year in December that I highly recommend to you. It's going to have all the FTR experts together uh, in December to talk about what things look like in 2021 as we get at our our cloudy crystal balls and peer into them and try to predict uh, what 2021 is going to look like. Obviously, I don't think anybody predicted what 2020 was going to look like uh, where we are now, but we'll try to provide some insight uh, on 2021 to give you a sense, help you plan your business and what to Think about going ahead. Uh, They're very reasonably priced. They're $200 a session, uh, $1,200 if you buy all six. However, if you are an FTR subscriber or if you attended the conference in either 2018 or 2019, they are free with our compliments so that you can join us and be part of the action and get your questions answered. We want everybody to engage, as the name indicates, uh, to try and be part of uh, the conversation as we go through the balance of 2020. And with that, let's transition. Let's talk about this week. Let's talk about where we are here in August, things on the more immediate term. Really, not much has changed. Intermodal continues to show strength, but we still have those lingering doubts. We still have those questions about how how long-term is this going to be. Uh, rail service continues on, on its trajectory. Uh, and carload markets, they're flat. They're, they're like a dead cardiac patient. They're really just a flat line as we look at them, uh, where they are going forward. And the question is, what's going to be the catalyst for growth there? Where are things going to head? And we'll try to answer that a little bit as we go forward here. The intermodal markets. Things have really picked up in the last several weeks. We're still below the five-year average. But we're not below it by all that much. We're below it by about 5,000 carloads a week. When you consider that back at the end of April, we were below the five-year average by close to 50,000 carloads, we've come a very long way in recent weeks. But we're not there yet. We're still down about 3% year over year from where we were at this time last year. So we have not made it back to where we thought we would be. We have not shown the growth that we expected to see in 2020. And we expect intermodal to be negative for the full year as we think about all of 2020. There's just too much ground uh, to make up, even as volumes show signs of stabilizing, even as domestic intermodal shows significant strength in recent weeks, even as the trailer market shows a really uncanny strength in recent weeks, there's just too much ground to make up, particularly given that international has not participated in a meaningful way as of yet. I brought up the trailer market, let's talk about the trailer market in a little bit more depth. We've been positive year over year for the last eight weeks. We've been right in line with the five-year average. Now, two years of the five-year average include the effect of Norfolk Southern's Triple Crown volumes. That's significant. The fact that we're at or above those levels suggests that uh, we are at a great level for trailers, given that the Triple Crown business has not magically reappeared. Norfolk Southern has not uh, reinstituted that business. And so we have made back that volume. Largely on the strength of e-commerce, largely on the strength of parcel, largely on the strength of spot tightness uh, folks in the trucking market looking for outlets for their freight and moving it by rail instead to try and get around that. If you listen to the State of Freight Truck Market podcast, uh, my colleague Avery Weiss, you know that he talks a great deal about the spot tightness that we've seen lately with the mdi that is one of the drivers we think of that trailer strength you can listen to his podcast and get a little more insight a little more details there on the trucking market if you're interested in it on the container side of the house uh, things have been very strong but it's been a domestic party it's been solely domestic containers it's been whether it's been railroad owned whether they've been privately owned uh, it is a railroad it is a domestic story international really hasn't participated as of yet Import numbers are still fairly weak. They've shown signs of stabilizing, but we certainly haven't gotten close to flat yet. Uh, that may happen here yet in August. We've heard a lot of uh, conversation in the back channels about ad hoc sailings being added to make up for some of the blank sailings. We haven't heard major announcements about blank sailings for the fourth quarter. That gives us some hope that international will participate. But the wild card there is even if the sailings go, even if the import numbers turned around, we're not sure whether it's going to translate into international intermodal volume immediately. It could be a situation where the box comes in and it goes into a warehouse rather than moves inland. The, de- the demand picture in the United States, particularly for consumer goods, with unemployment still at record levels, with the unemployment assistance coming to an end at the end of July, we're not really sure what the demand picture is going to look like. And so all those goods may not be needed at the distribution center level, at the store level quite yet. They may get to the port and go into a warehouse, at which point they'll show up in imports, but they won't show up in container loadings. They won't show up in international intermodal volume. And that's the part we'll get a better handle on over the next six to eight weeks as things go forward here. Service, we talked about service a lot over the last weeks, the last week's. Uh, Things are down. They're down, but they're down from historic levels, and they're still at historic levels in most cases. Now, there is some carrier-specific variation there. So it depends what carrier you're on, exactly the degree of degradation you've seen. But on an overall, all-business, all-network basis, we're still above our 10-year average. We're still above where we were last year. A little bit deeper into the regional variation, Union Pacific out west, Looks very good compared to 2019, and looks okay when you look at 2018 or when you look at the 10-year average. That's because last year, even in August, the Western Railroads were still trying to get their way back, fight their way back, really, from the flooding that decimated their networks in the early spring. So that's more about the 2019 comparison period than it is anything about the state of their service today. Eastern carriers, it's a similar but different story. We are better than last year, but barely. If you look back to 2018, Norfolk Southern in particular looks very, very good. But that's a function of the comparison period again. If you think about what was going on at Norfolk Southern in 2018, they were in the throes and the growing pains of their transition to precision scheduled railroading. So it's not so much about 2020 as it is about 2018, as it is about what that comparison period is is going on. Service is still good. Not as good as it was. Not as good as it could be. Not as good as I know the carriers want to make it for shippers. Shippers I've talked to are very much in a Missouri mindset. They're in a show me mindset. They want the railroads to show them that they can provide the service they say they're going to provide. So it's going to be key that the carriers deliver on that. It's going to be key that they're able to get employees back in a timely fashion. They're able to get locomotives out of storage and deploy them on the network quickly to show carriers that this, show the shippers, excuse me, that this time is different. That they will be able to deliver consistent service even as volumes increase. They will be able to break the sort of cyclical pattern that's been around in the industry forever that as volumes go up, service goes down. They need to break that in order to to gain market share. They need to gain that to solidify their existing volumes and ultimately to satisfy their own needs, to to get rate increases. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, shippers are always willing to pay for service. It's up to carriers. The onus is on the carrier to provide that service. Now, as we shift our focus to carload markets, we'll see that things are stable. We'll see that things lack really a growth catalyst. Now, if you look at the four-week average, you see a little bit of growth in overall carloads. If you look on an absolute week basis, you'll see that we're really pretty flat. We're still down 15% on a year-over-year basis. We are still 40 to 50,000 carloads below where we would be on the five-year average basis. The carload picture is not a happy picture. Even though it's stable, even though it's showing a little bit of sign in the right direction, it's nothing to to write home about and celebrate when we think about overall economic activity, the industrial economy, and those things that, that fuel the carload market. Hammering the home point of the home a little bit more, economically sensitive freight, which I'll remind you if you're not an FTR subscriber or if you're not as familiar with, with this podcast and how we measure economically sensitive freight, means we pull out the coal we pull out the agriculture we pull out the petroleum we look at just those sectors that are more closely tied to the fundamentals of the underlying economy and it's a very similar story to what you're seeing in the overall carload markets you're seeing stability but you're not seeing growth we're 20,000 carloads a week off of our five-year average number we're still down double digits on a percentage basis from where we were in 2019 The numbers are not good. They are not numbers that you want to celebrate, uh, but they are stable. They are moving uh, in the right direction. The coal market, transitioning to some of the bulk sectors, the coal market is stable. You're seeing a little bit of an uptick. You're still down 25% year over year. It's nothing really to write home about. You write about 65,000 carloads a week, give or take. That's about 25,000 carloads a week below where you would expect to be. So when you look at coal and you look at economically sensitive freight, you can see where the carload declines are coming from. Yes, coal is a part of it. Coal is not the whole story as we saw with the economically sensitive graph. The grain markets. Grain has shown some life recently. It's essentially in line with the five year average, and it is a sector that we expect to show uh, positive comparisons through the end of the year. The growing season was much more advantageous this year than it was in 2019. You have a lot, you have very easy comps to the back half of the year in 2019. We expect grain volumes, both year over year and on an absolute basis, to show gains as we go to the fourth quarter, as we go through the balance of the year. Chemicals markets. Again, sort of like a lot of the carload sectors, they're stable, they're not growing. If you look at the rail recovery indexes on FTR's coronavirus page, you'll see this. You'll see we indexed the volumes back to uh, back to February as well as their seasonal patterns, and you can see we're not moving a whole lot when you look at that page. You'll see there's a lot of flat lines, there's a lot of dead cardiac patients there where the line just uh, stays flat over time, which is not a healthy situation. Uh, in the chemicals market, we're really just adhering to seasonal behavior. There's nothing to really see there. Uh, There's nothing that portends that we're going to grow. On the flip side, there's nothing that portends that we're going to uh, have an issue, that we're going to have uh, a significant downturn either. Petroleum products have been a little bit of life here lately on a four-week average basis. On the absolute week basis, it's really not much at all. We're still down close to 30% year over year, and as we've said before, until crude prices rise, we don't see that changing. We don't see this these volumes materially moving higher until the crude price responds. It's probably going to take 2021 for that to happen. We don't see crude prices coming back until the underlying economy recovers in a meaningful way. And we don't see that really happening until we get into 2021. Stone, sand, and gravel. It's been a lot in this number. We've talked a lot about it in previous weeks. Uh, it is very weak. You know, we are several seven thousand, roughly, carloads a week below our five-year average. We're down close to thirty percent from where we were last year. A lot of headwinds in this sector, from uh, the lack of municipal and federal budgets for infrastructure investment to uh, a mild winter last year, meaning that municipalities don't need to restock uh, the rock salt inventories. To the drilling sand situation, uh, there's a lot of headwinds here. None of them are going away anytime soon. Uh, If you're in this sector, if you're to equipment in this sector, uh, prepare to be in it for the long haul. Uh, Lumber and wood, another one of those economically sensitive commodity categories. Not a whole lot here. Really just seasonal behavior. And this is a little bit weird, as I talked about last week. Uh, With housing, you would expect to see this uh, ramp up. It really hasn't. The delta between where we are and our five-year average is closing a little bit, but it's a little bit. It's not going back the way Intermodal is back to its five-year average. It's not uh, showing real life. It's just sort of treading water. Pulp and Paper is a a very sad story. Uh, we're down about 10 percent year over year. Not moving a whole lot. About a thousand carloads a week below the five-year average. You look at that and you say, Todd, it's only a thousand carloads a week. Well, it's only an 8,500, 8,000 carload a, a week market. So when you take a one eighth of your volume away—that's a significant variance. That's a significant movement that uh, shows that things aren't growing in the pulp and paper sector. This is an important sector. I've said it before. I watch this a lot because the carload sector has a distinct weight advantage, particularly in paper rolls, compared to the alternative truck market. So this is a market that railroads should win. Railroads should be able. Uh, to show traffic growth here, particularly as corrugated board demand, particularly as box board demand uh, increases with all the e-commerce shipments that we're all doing as we all stay home. Uh, You would expect to see this group show some life, and it just hasn't. Uh, Wrapping up automotive, things are bouncing back here, but they're not bouncing back quickly. They've sort of leveled off since we got the initial surge of activity when automotive plants reopened. The five-year average number is a little bit low right now because of the traditional uh, July-August shutdowns for retooling. We don't expect to see those this year. As we come out of that, we're going to be watching very closely to see if volumes continue to parallel the five-year average or if they stay uh, below it. Our expectation is that they're going to stay below it. Auto sales have not recovered to pre-pandemic levels. And you wouldn't expect to see production remain at high levels uh, with sales not getting back there as well. But we'll have to keep an eye on this as we go forward to see if there's a there's an upside to that number or not. So as we wrap up, there continues to be a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace. And I want everybody to understand that the uncertainty between the underlying economic conditions, between the freight market and the rail particular sectors themselves, the uncertainty is about as high now as it was at the the early innings, so to speak, of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and we'll have to see where things go from here, how quickly we can get some certainty. Hopefully, certainly by the time we look into our crystal balls uh, with the FTR Engage session in December, we'll be able to provide some meaningful clarity on what it all means going forward. But right now, it really is very cloudy out there in terms of peering off into the next uh, few months and weeks and what it means and where volumes are going to go. Rail service, watch this space. We want to see where that goes as we go forward. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep you updated, certainly, of any changes that we see on our end. And if you're in the carload markets, you're stable, but you're not showing signs of growth. And so you're you're waiting for that uncertainty to lift. You're waiting to see definitive signs of growth. You're also hoping that you don't see any sort of retrenchment, that you don't see volumes uh, go back lower. They're just sort of hanging out where they are right now uh, in a stable posture. You're just waiting for that to change, keeping an eye on the things that could cause that to change uh, in your business. With that, I'd like to wrap up and again remind you about FTR Engage. Please make an effort if you uh, are a subscriber, if you came to the conference in the last couple of years, or even if you didn't. They're priced very inexpensively. Uh, $200 per session, $1,200 for all six sessions. Uh, you'll definitely get something worthwhile out of it. Uh, it'd be well worth your time to be part of it. Please do uh, make an effort to be a part of those sessions and reach out anytime to myself or any member of the FTR team if you have any questions about Uh, Your transportation situation, something you hear on the podcast, what you're seeing in the market, if you want to talk things through, anything about FTR Engage, we're always happy to help, happy to talk about the market. Feel free to reach out anytime. Uh, My contact details are in the attached PowerPoint presentation, so feel free to reach out anytime, and have a great day. We'll talk to you uh, in a couple of weeks.
0: That's it for this week's Rail Market Update on the State of Freight Podcast. The Rail Market Update will be published each week along with a downloadable PDF of the presentation. If you find this transportation intelligence useful, please take a moment to give us a positive rating on your podcast platform of choice and send us your feedback by email at podcastftrintel.com. You can find more publicly available State of Freight content and download the PDF of today's presentation by going to www.ftrintel.com podcast. FTR is the leader in freight transportation forecasting in North America, providing consistently reliable reports for trucking, rail, and intermodal transportation, as well as providing demand analysis for commercial vehicle and rail car. For more information about the work of FTR, visit www.ftrintel.com or call us at 888-988-1699 to find out which publications will best support your business.